This is the It's Not So Late Show with your host, Aaron Hanania, the voice of young America, interviewing celebrities, influencers, and exploring unique and interesting stories that you need to hear. And now, please welcome your host of the It's Not So Late Show, Aaron Hanania! I'm Aaron Hanania, and this is... It's not so late show, and today I am joined by magician Cody Hildebrand, and uh, he's got some cool stuff he's done. He's won Connecticut's Got Talent. He's got over a half million followers on TikTok. Cody, thank you so much for being here, my friend. Thank you for having me, buddy. It's and, a privilege. And the first question I always like to ask, it just to get it out of the way, I know everyone hates hearing it, is how did you get started in magic? That's always like the opening question we got to ask. Oh, sure. So I got started when I was like seven years old. Um my my first exposure to magic was a card trick that my grandfather showed me and it was one of those really cool kind of like self-working tricks that you don't really need any sleight of hand for as long as you follow the steps the trick does itself um i would do that for years and years and i tried learning a little bit more um and then when i uh i tried to learn a little more advanced stuff the plot was to make a quarter vanish from underneath a little handkerchief and then would reappear inside of an orange super elaborate super crazy i was also like eight so um naturally i just screwed up tremendously in front of my aunt (laughs) and uh when you're eight years old and you make a critical mistake like that you just give up in its entirety so i stopped for a very long time um fast forward to when i was 19 i ended up uh, for context i'm now 27 so fast forward to when i was 19 i ended up uh going to visit who is now my wife when she was in college and a friend of hers showed me another trick did all the work for you as well loved it showed me how it works and um it just kind of rippled into all of this next thing i knew i have a show i'm doing tricks all over the place and then the rest is history that's so cool so tell me about some of these places you've done shows do you have a favorite uh venue or a favorite gig that you've done Ooh. So I'm, I am a huge fan of doing Renaissance fairs. Now I do a lot of Renaissance fairs, uh, mostly in Connecticut. I don't really like to, to go outside of Connecticut right now. Um, but those are always some of the best places for me to go just because of the environment and the people and, um, the crowds are always so, so welcoming, but I, I gotta say, like, I think I have the most freedom when I'm doing, uh, my own shows at, uh like small local theaters because i don't have to feel tied to dressing a certain way or behaving a certain way because like when you're at a ren fair you have to act and perform a certain mm-hmm. a certain way i can just be me when i'm in a small theater and i can just do my show the way that i want to do my show right so for those of you who, those of the audience that may not be super familiar with your magic there's different types of magic you know there's mentalism there's like mm-hmm. there's card tricks what type of uh magic would you say is your niche um uh, my niche is close up sleight of hand magic i like magic that can be done um literally just in a in a very close proximity with people i like doing things with cards coins um, the cups and balls is by far my absolute favorite trick to perform. It's also my closer in my show, which I love. Um, but I do basically just like a lot of stuff that you can do with any kind of like everyday object, like a like a Sharpie marker or um, a deck of cards, rubber bands, stuff like that. 
I like that. Now, how do you bring that to, so like I know for a Renaissance Fair, that's really up close and personal. How do you translate that to when you're doing a bigger theater, you know, um, where uh, there's a lot of people and they all can't necessarily be right around, you know, the table or, or you know, the chair mm. doing the magic. And how do, what, what do you use as a technique to do that? So what I like to do is I, I actually don't really have like set tricks that are better for one thing, better for another. Everything that I do can be done on a stage realistically um this is just like my natural like go-to niche but like if i were to say do a card trick in like a small theater um the seating is what's probably the most important because you can't have yourself up on a stage and everyone sitting underneath you um we would call that uh your audience looking up at you you can't really do card tricks when people are looking up at you because they're look like your table's right here their eyes are right here they can't really see what's going on up here so when I do small theaters and fairs and stuff, the seating is usually going down. So it's more like traditional stadium seating. Okay. So it allows them to look down and they can see everything that I'm doing. Plus with a small theater, um, there's usually no more than like six rows right. of seats. So you're not that far back. Even if you're in the, like the far back of the theater or what would be considered the far back of the theater, you can still see everything that I'm doing like, perfectly right um so yeah i like that idea and now since you you perform in small theaters do you like to attend other magicians uh sets in smaller venues or are you more a big venue type of person when you're watching magic mm. i gotta say the small theaters i like i like going to the small theaters because i like the more intimate setting mm -hmm. kind of idea i like just being able to go to a place where like either i know the guy or in some cases, I don't know the guy, but just be there and be in like close proximity and just just watch. Right. Do you have a favorite, um, Do you have a favorite magician to watch? I do, but he died in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. He is. Uh, his name was Ricky J. Oh yeah. And he he was by far one of the world's greatest magicians. He was he was widely considered to be a magician's magician really um and he he was taught by the late great Di vernon uh the late great charlie miller and uh what i liked about him was he was also a magic historian so he focused a lot on like the history of magic and where everything comes from and our whole like timeline and how everything's progressed um and he would bring elements from that into his show so he would actually take elements from these really old books and he would use the patter from those books in this old like um like the vernacular was basically that of like say an, a highly educated person from like the turn of the century like the turn of the 20th century and you couldn't help but feel like you were learning something while simultaneously being entertained it was it, it his his work is just phenomenal and that's Love that's it. so hard to do too you know it's trying to mm -hmm. i don't think people realize that like magic isn't just hey i can do this card trick it's more so the story like you have to explain you know, this is what a lot of magicians say is you have to be able to give people a reason why is this ace moving from my left hand to my right yep. pocket and then magically back out again and that's what's hard about yep. magic so is that sometimes pose a challenge for you is trying to give like validity behind like why cards are moving or why things are happening the way they are yeah yeah especially on social media because with um, TikTok is just a really good example because with TikTok, you're restricted 
to how many seconds you can make a video. Right. So you have a very finite amount of time to tell a story while also making something very special happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm on stage and time isn't really a factor, I can I can stretch something out that I can stretch something where like a punchline is like 20 seconds. Wow. And I can stretch that into like a full seven minute like story routine whatever right. and it goes over fantastically wow so how do you how do you shorten that because i know you're on tiktok so i i do want to talk mm-hmm. about that and maybe what some of the differences are but how do you condense a seven minute routine into that 20 you know 25 second uh punchline or like that um carefully <laughs> for, for lack of a better word but um a lot of it is if i'm being completely transparent a lot of the patter is just bs it's stuff that i just come up with off the top of my head that fits in the moment and uh sometimes it takes a couple of takes because my my mouth moves faster than my brain sometimes so i'll i'll stumble on my words or i'll say something that doesn't make sense um or i'll do that thing that a lot of people with like adhd do like myself or like we say we start to say one word and then we finish it with like another word. So we just make a brand new word entirely. I'm known of doing that. That's what's hard about hosting a show is you got to be clear. You got to be concise. And the zoom delay does not help things out. Yep. 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 Um, other times I've had a really good experience. Like I had one video that went super viral, like overnight. And I was so grateful for it. It was my linking rings routine. And I think the reason why it did so well was because I took that like eight minute routine. I took some of like, just some of the best parts um, and condensed that into like 60 seconds. And I basically just took the pattern that I already used and I just took a couple of those jokes. And then I told those jokes while I was doing the routine. Um, but I'm also like talking a lot faster than I normally would do. Um, but it got, it got the point across. It got exactly what I wanted um, done. And it, it just came out as a great video. Others. It's just like, what am I saying? Why am I saying this? And yay, something special happened. <laughs> Speaking about TikTok, how did you get into TikTok? Because I love asking this question because everyone's story sure. like so unpredictable. It's, it's for some reason with TikTok, it's I've heard the weirdest things. So I'd love to know how you got into doing on the TikTok. I got onto TikTok. <laughs> I got onto TikTok because my wife would not stop sending videos to me. <laughs> I wanted nothing to do with it at all. And I, the reason why I didn't want anything to do with it was because I thought that I was way too old for it. I thought no one wanted to see a 26-year-old or a 27-year-old on an app that's primarily for kids that are in high school or just going into college. Right. Um, like, I walk in there. Like, I, like if TikTok was a room, I would walk in like Steve Buscemi with that skateboard being like, how do you do, fellow kids? And yeah. And I decided, you know, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Or excuse me. Uh, I, I've got I've got the uh, following or not the following. I've got the material. I got the stuff that I can post. So I might as well just make like one video and just see how it goes. And that one video got like a couple hundred views 
And for me, for me, a couple hundred views was something that was crazy. It was unheard of. The biggest following that I had was on Instagram at the time. And that was maybe like 400 people. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought, you know what, maybe there could be something here. So I started posting more and I started looking into, you know, uh, like what's the best way to go viral on TikTok? What are some of the tips and tricks to like do really well? And I ended up developing some bad habits with that. Um, mostly just like reposting a lot of the same stuff over and over and over again. But um, the the other lessons that I took away from that, like hashtag strategies and using trending sounds, and maybe there's a trend going on that you can that you can hop onto and use like a magic a magic spin to it. Um, that, that just really helped. And then I got lucky one day with that linking ring video. And the next thing I knew I had over 200,000 followers, Wow, which was, which was great. If I could ask, how many views did it get? Right. Uh, so when I posted it, it was, I remember this, this was the day before Thanksgiving. I actually posted it the night before, like right before I went to bed and um, before I went to bed, it already had like 10,000 views Wow! after like, like maybe 20 minutes. And I'm like, okay, this is doing something. This is kind of weird. <laughs> so I went to bed. I went to bed. I wake up. I check my, uh, I check my notifications thinking, you know, Hey, maybe it just stopped after like 10,000 views, maybe it got like 15,000 and that was it. Uh, my notifications said that I gained, um, like 25,000 followers overnight. Really? And I'm like, excuse me? Really? I checked the video and it had over 1 million views in like less than 12 hours. Wow. Yeah. And I think now if if I were to guess, I think it's sitting at like 8, 9 million views. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I've only ever mm-hmm. just over a million. Like, it's like great. What was that, what did that feel like? You know, when you woke up the next morning and you saw like a million views for someone who said that four hundred is like a lot. Yeah, talking at a thousand times that. What was mm-hmm. that like? Oh, it was unreal. It was unreal. Like, you hear people talking about walking on like cloud nine, and you're like, yeah, okay, sure, sure. But like, no, it was it was a surreal kind of a feeling, and it was honestly something that like I never expected to happen. Um, but the second it did, I, I could not have been more grateful. Right. And how did um, it change your experience? Like how did it change, you know, what changed? So now you, you went from some, a magician that maybe not a lot of people know to someone who has a half million followers now, does that change yeah. your path a little bit? A little bit. Yeah. Um, I've always, I, once I got into magic and I knew that it was something that I could make a career out of, I, I always knew that the end game was to, do shows full time um and uh doing doing social media now has completely changed everything too because now i have a much broader reach now i have people all across you know the united states and now i even have followers that are in other countries that are like we got to get you over here wow and i'm like that's that's insane um like i've made i've made amazing friends on, on this app as well, other magicians that I, I deeply respect and I love. And um, one of them is a phenomenal magician in uh, Canada. Really? And he's like, turns out like if I wanted to take like an eight hour road trip, I could just go and see him like right now. Wow. Um, and he's like, yeah, come on over, you know, get you over here. 
just magic, booze, poutine, call it a day. I'm like, that's one hell of a weekend. Like, <laughs> let's do it. I think with um, uh, TikTok, people don't realize that as much of it, like an app, it is a, it's a really big networking tool. Um, mm -hmm. I think people don't take it resp like responsibly, I guess, in that like yeah. the right way. They use it just to get viral. But it's like if you're if you're clever enough, you can do like what you did and network, make friends, collaborate. And these are people that now you would have never known. And the pandemic's helped with Zoom and virtual things, whereas before mm -hmm. you'd have to I'd have to go in person. And now with the click of a couple of buttons, here we are meeting from my brother right. Connecticut. I'm in Chicago like that. <laughs> Um, yeah, know, that helped you out, you know, networking on TikTok. Has that opened some new doors for you? I know you mentioned your friend. Oh, 100%. 100%. I, I started, like I said, I started meeting a whole bunch of people and I started talking to people I never thought that I would ever get the chance to like talk to or anything like that. And they're all like, yeah, we would love the chance to like work with you. We would love to like have you like, you know, talk about our brand and stuff like that. Um, I had a math app reach out to me that wanted me to, to kind of promote them for a little while. And, um, and I did. And it was great. And I never would have gotten that if it weren't for the fact that like TikTok helped me grow and create right. a, a, a brand of some kind. Right. And that, that's always fun. So can you talk about some of these uh, brand deals you've done, you know, with magic and how you put a magical yeah. to it? Because it's a lot more difficult than people think, you know, if they hand you, here's this coffee mug, I want you to promote it. You know, you have to do it in a way right. where you're saying, buy my coffee mug. You have to do it with, like, we're going to make a right. card or something appear in this coffee mug. By the way, you can buy it. That's hard to do. So can you share mm -hmm. some of the things that you have done? Yeah. So, uh, the math app is a really good example. Um, they wanted to just talk about math and just the, the features that the app offers and like, um, stuff like that. And one, the best way that I could think of was the fact that like, um, every time you shuffle a deck of cards, the probability of you getting an order that has already existed is practically slim to none. Really? Um, so every time you shuffle cards, you are getting a factorial of 52 possibilities, which means, um, 52 times 51 times 50 and going all the way down to one huge number. I, I, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but it's, it's a very, very large number. And that's the number of different possible shuffle outcomes that you can possibly get, um, when you mix up a deck of cards. So I talked about that and I'm shuffling a deck of cards the entire time. And the end result was when I was done shuffling, the cards remained in like perfect brand new wow. order. Mm -hmm. Wow. Is that a trick you learned yourself? You taught yourself that over time? Yeah. So I, I ended up studying a bunch of different, uh, different methods of magic from a bunch of different resources. And I finally decided to dive down the rabbit hole of just card sleight of hand. It's like the, the, the book itself is called Expert at the Card Table. And it is widely regarded by magicians as like the holy grail of card mechanics and card cheating. And it, it was actually originally designed for um, sleight of hand mechanics just so they could fix a card game. Really? That's it. Yeah. Um, but now magicians have adopted that for entertainment purposes. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I always wanted to go down and uh, study and learn and practice and I finally started going down that rabbit hole and I am still in that rabbit hole. And it's been about three, four months since I started. Wow. Um, there's just a lot of information to go through. <laughs> I want to talk about that. It's like 
there's a lot of people that I know on, that are going to be watching this that want to go into magic. And I ask this to every magician I have. Um, how, where do you recommend they get started? What are some resources? Because it's not as easy as you think to, because magicians don't reveal what they do. So where can people learn right. the, like the beginner stuff? So, um, so going off of what you said, good magicians, they'll never reveal the tricks that they do, but specifically they won't reveal the tricks like during the performance. Mm -hmm. That's where the whole, like a, a magician never reveals their secret comes from because we don't want to like make an elephant vanish and then, you know, strip away like the curtain, so to speak, and be like, oh, it was over here the whole time because that just ruins that kind of mystery and wonder. However, because magicians rely on secrecy does not mean that they're not huge proprietors of education because they are. Magicians absolutely love teaching and we love the chance to get new magicians anytime that we possibly can. So that having been said, um, there's there's hundreds of thousands of resources that you can use to, to get into magic. Um, the best place for like bare bone, I have no experience and I just wanna learn a couple of things is YouTube. Um, YouTube is going to be a great resource for uh, the super beginner stuff. And then once you've finally decided like, okay, I've got this stuff and I think now it's time to start learning more. Now it's time to start really growing and building and, and getting better. That's when I would start to recommend that like they turn to like books and the DVDs and the downloads. This is where the sort of like um, paying for your education starts to come into play. Uh, which a lot of people aren't actually fans of. A lot of people actually have this this idea that like, just because like um, there's a lot of people that expose how magic tricks work and there's a lot of people that just go around willy-nilly just giving away how magicians do their stuff, that they have this sense of entitlement to all of our information for free. Right. Um, but the reality of the situation is that the good stuff you're gonna you're gonna pay for. Right. but it's worth it that's the thing you're paying to broaden your knowledge you're paying to build a skill set that no one else can can have mm -hmm. um and i i would highlight like oh man, i think the best books to start probably would be the card college series yeah um great great place to start if you want to get into card magic um coin magic i'm not as uh deep rooted in However, I know that there's hundreds of books out there on coin magic, like uh, Rubenstein's uh, Coin Magic is a wonderful book on coin coin work. Um, and then there's also the whole Tarbell course of magic too. If you can find a book on Tarbell, you you are you are set for life. <laughs> um, there's just it's, there's just so much that you can go off of in those books too. Um, and a lot of these books too have uh, video adaptations. For people that are much better at learning visually instead of just from from reading like me right so i want to so. what, what has been the most difficult to learn skill to learn um because you do a lot of magic is learned by reading which people don't realize that's what it is um there's sometimes there's photos sometimes there's not um so what do you think was been or has been the biggest challenge for you in your magical career so far Ooh. um I think right now the most difficult thing has been going down this this Erdnay's rabbit hole that I've been going down, the expert at the card table, mm -hmm. um, because these are slights that I've only ever seen like the best of the best do, and now I'm starting to put my my foot in in their water, 
and just watching the demonstrations alone <laughs> is very intimidating and it, it almost it genuinely almost makes me want to like not learn it just because of how hard it looks right um but then it also comes down to like the repetition the practice and just really like like trying to push yourself um so like right now um a lot of that like uh card demonstration stuff and uh card cheating uh really puts a lot into perspective so like right now um uh just to give you like a good example i'm just separating out a deck of cards uh red cards from black cards just to make things uh easy enough to to follow so if i were to uh bring this down for you to see really quick sure um you can you can see i was able to separate these guys uh black on one side red on the other um so if i were to give these cards uh some good some good thorough shuffles mm -hmm. uh standard procedure in a casino would follow uh one riffle two riffles and then uh one more set of riffle shuffles and then once you're done with that third set you would follow it up with either say a cut or a series of cuts Ooh. and once you follow those cuts up uh the deck normally should be shuffled except we keep all the blacks on one side all the reds on the other and nothing is really oh. uh disturbed yeah that wow. yeah that that took that took a lot <laughs> that took a lot That's really learn. impressive people that, were, that is very cool now why do casinos like those they like those side riffles instead of the traditional shuffle do you know why that is uh, I've got, I don't have like a perfect knowledge of it. I know that it's uh, a really decent way is to prevent cheating. Okay. Um, even though I just proved otherwise, but, um, a lot of casinos don't want you to be able to like peek at cards when you're shuffling so you can like stack them or they don't want you to, uh, know where any of the cards are. Like you, even just doing like a standard, like, like a wash like it you just want to keep it like as fair as possible right um i swear if those cards are in order i'm gonna be really really frustrated <laughs> man i'll be impressed if they're in order like good lord i mean they're not but like i would have been very impressed if they were <laughs> myself um but casinos casinos have their their standard practices and their standard um like rules and guidelines just to prevent any kind of like cheating or keeping everything fair um you're not nowadays in a casino everything is so airtight you are not going to find anybody cheating in a casino whatsoever mm -hmm. um except for maybe the players but that's why they have pit bosses that's why they have people there to like keep track of everything um but casino dealers they're not they're not going to do they're not going to do anything like that right because i mean you know they're so regulated so do you think that some magicians um do have a leg up in casinos do you think that you know your practice and knowing how cards work knowing how to handle cards has given you a slight advantage to the you know random guy that just walks in <laughs> off off the streets you know in vegas i i mean i think it'll give me some kind of an advantage because now i understand how cards behave and i understand and by that i mean like how cards shuffle how cards uh orientate themselves the way that they're ordered the way that they like uh, put themselves when you shuffle them. I know I understand like tracking. I understand cutting. I understand um, basically shuffle location, and and for lack of a better a better term. Mm -hmm. um, but when I go to play, like I don't play um, I don't play poker when I go to a casino. I, I strictly play blackjack because that is an easier, in my opinion, a much easier game to win. 
because realistically you're playing against the casino and the dealers don't care at all if the casino loses. So, cause it's not their money. Why should they care? So they want you to win. Um, but what they'll do is you'll watch the cards and it's realistically just a game of like high, low. Like if you like, like this next card is going to be higher than this one, or this next card is going to be higher than this one. Um, or this next card is going to be lower than this one. And I, I've walked out with like, I've walked into games with maybe like $40 in my pocket and walked out with almost a thousand. Wow. Yeah. Just because of knowing what a card is going to be. And it's not even counting. Like, I don't know how to count cards. I'm just really good with like patterns. Well, I know where I'm going to get, who I'm bringing along with my Vegas trip when I go to Vegas. I'm bringing you. You got it, man. You got it. Just say the word. I got you. <laughs> we'll split it. We'll split. Now, do you have any Vegas, favorite Vegas headliner magicians that you like? Um, Matt oh, King. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Matt King. Gotta love him. One of the funniest guys you are ever going to see. He's a veteran in the magic industry, and he's definitely earned his place in on the Vegas Strip. Um, I'm also a huge fan of Penn and Teller, mm-hmm. which uh, surprises a lot of people because – um, I, because I, I very actively preach against revealing tricks right. for the sake of clout and everyone's like, but Penn and Teller, they reveal everything. They really don't, they really which don't. is hilarious. They reveal like the most minute secret <laughs> to better serve like this bigger thing that they just never reveal. Right. Um, so I, I love Penn and Teller and I love the genius, like the, just the brilliance behind that, that kind of a concept. Um, I like Copperfield, but I don't like big illusions. Okay. Um, I don't like the whole like kind of kind of essence in magic. I hate that. I hate it so much. Um, but I, I if I had to pick one person to go see in Vegas, it would hands down be Matt King. Like hands down. Do you have a favorite routine of his that you like that he does? Oh God, I've got so many. <laughs> um his so he does uh, so he does a cut and restored rope oh. that I that I I love, and it the best part about it is that it fools Teller really? every time he sees it. Yeah, they actually talked about it on Fool Us when Matt King went on for a second time because he brought out the rope and he's like, "We're not going to do that." And um, <laughs> when it came down to like Penn and Teller to like actually talk to him, Penn said, "You know the rope trick always fools Teller every single time." And I, I just thought that was hilarious. Um, but it, it's a really, really good adaptation of like what's effectively a beginner's magic trick. Mm-hmm. Um, I love his, his fish routine yeah. that he does. Um, he does uh, this routine where he's like, he's just air fishing. And then like, he's like, oh yeah, I, I caught a, you can't see anything, but he's like, yeah, I caught your goldfish. And then he like, plops like a legit goldfish into like a glass it's beautiful i love that so much yeah and those are hard um animals anything with live you know animals that can go real wrong real quick that's hard to do mm -hmm. i have so much respect for guys that do animal magic because it's just really hard to like do everything you're doing while also managing another like living creature Mm -hmm. with its own like sentience basically 
because like a bird's going to do whatever a bird wants to do and like a rabbit is going to want to do whatever a rabbit wants to do like you you really got to train those things to like properly behave like i've been trying to get a routine done like a modified version of the cups and balls i've been trying to do one with my hedgehog um that i have but he's he's so temperamental and does not like being touched so like i can't do anything with him because like if i try to he'll just like stab my hand (laughs) Ah. (laughs) i have a fun question here with um you yeah know, you know magicians like what watching is there is a magician that you like a trick that you just want to know how it's done but you de- genuinely don't know that it's like bothers you because every magician is always bothered by that one trick oh. um and i actually learned how to do it this year which was hilarious it was um it was actually the opening number that ricky J does in all of his shows um he does uh he calls it the same trick three ways oh um and he'll start by producing uh, four queens out of a deck. And uh, he'll do it two different ways. Uh, the first way he says is like a flashy style uh, represent- representative of that from like the 1970s. Uh, the second way is something a bit more flashy that you might have seen done by like a European. Mm-hmm. And then the third way is a, a version that you might see in like a drawing room at the turn of the century. And what he does is he sets the four queens in like four separate corners of a table, Mm -hmm. like one in each corner. And he'll take three cards, place them on top of one queen, three cards, place them on another, three on another, and then three on another. And then one by one, those queens all vanish inside those other cards. And they all appear together with the last queen. And it's just so beautifully done. Yeah. Wow. That is so good. I think I've actually seen that trick. Um, I don't remember mm-hmm. him, but those ones—you have so much respect for how they do it. Uh, you know, I'm not going to give it away, but um, just sure. to be able to do it consistently, you know, um, yeah. in front of an audience. And if you do one thing wrong, especially with ones where there's a lot of math involved um, or you know, yeah. a lot of different things you have to be moving around, there's so many, mm-hmm. so many chances for something to go wrong. You know, like Shin Lin yeah. is one of those people where he does so many moves in a single act that, like, if he does one thing wrong, the whole act is, you know, that's what's hard about magic. So, does that yep. something that challenges you when you're doing a really complicated routine that you fear, like, oh, gosh, if I put that card in the wrong place or if this happens? Well, I'm definitely no Shin Lin, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> my my tricks are my tricks are definitely not that elaborate, and uh, they my my magic doesn't need to be that elaborate right um shin's style of performing is very uh poetic and very storytelling esque mm-hmm. whereas mine is uh it's more based in like the classics of magic but i also base it in comedy too right. so like when i was when i was learning how to really like get my performance style down like i had experience on stage i was a theater kid in in my last couple of years of high school um and then i was also really into like just making people laugh i just like making people laugh um so i thought maybe i would try surrounding myself with comedians and i could see how how stand-up comedians handle themselves so now i have like a stand-up set that i do and i'll incorporate stand-up with magic while i'm on stage and um that's that's just my style so now i can do like 
not a basic trick, but I could do something that's pretty simple mm -hmm. to learn. And I give it like a full like comedy routine behind it. And suddenly it's like a really fun, interactive uh, piece of magic that I can do with somebody on stage. It's great. I like that. Now, before we go, I have two more questions. Uh, maybe you can perform that uh, a couple of tricks here. And then I also want you to tell us where can people find you to plug your social media here and because uh, so they can watch. So, it. yeah, so you can find me. Um, I, I so, oh, God, my main socials that I use are TikTok and Instagram. Um, all of my socials, you can find me using uh, the name uh, Hildebrand Magic. Okay. And um, you can find me on YouTube as well with that name. Um, I have a Facebook account that I use called Hildebrand Magic. I also have a Twitter account, but my Twitter account is dead. I never use Twitter whatsoever. <laughs> um, I think I actually think somehow my Twitter got accidentally linked to my brother's because I, I just go on to check and suddenly I have all these posts and like shares and retweets from the New Jersey Devils. And I'm like, what the heck? I didn't post any of that. <laughs> it's just a bunch of like hot, like a bunch of like hockey paraphernalia. And I'm like, I definitely don't do sports. Like look at my career choice. I do not do sports at all. Um, and and uh, yeah, so basically it's YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Hildebrand Magic. Those are the best ones to go find me on. Sweet. And then yeah. before we go, would you be able to do a trick or two here for our audience? Absolutely. Yeah. I got a couple things that I feel like I could do for you. Um, so I'm a huge card guy. So I figured we'd do a couple of card things. Good. Um, this first, this first one is probably one of my, my absolute favorites. And this is also something that I, I just added into my show um, just because of how much fun I actually, I think it can be. Uh, this is going to use a very peculiar deck of cards. You're going to notice that there's nothing printed right. on these cards. Uh, this is actually a truly uh, blank deck all the way down to the bottom card. Now, what makes this trick special is the fact that this really allows like your imagination to come into play, mm -hmm. right? You can, you can literally just choose any card you want, but you know what? I feel like one isn't really going to cut it. Mm -hmm. So what I'll have you do for me, bud, is if you could actually just name uh, three, any three cards you want. Okay. Let's uh, we'll do it one at a time. We'll do it one at a time. Sure. Eight of diamonds. Eight of diamonds. Okay. So naturally like in an imaginary deck, like it doesn't really matter uh, where you, where you grab them from. However, I feel like the eight of diamonds, if I had to guess, would be placed like right here. Sure. So I'm going to set that down. I'll let you see that. Okay. Um, next up, which, which one would you like uh, next? Middle ace of spades. You got to go the classics ace <laughs> of spades. That would usually be all the way down here. Uh, so we'll put the ace of spades right there. So eight of diamonds, ace of spades, and which one else? The jack yeah, one more. Clubs, the jack of clubs. Jack of clubs. That's a wonderful choice. Uh, the jack of clubs, I would say, is usually kept more in like the middle of the deck. Let me see here. That one should do. Okay. So that felt that felt pretty fair, right? You could have chosen any three that you wanted. We didn't really prearrange anything, right? Um, and you really could have chosen anything out of this deck. Um, every single card in here, completely blank. However, you chose three cards off the top of your head, the eight of diamonds, the ace of spades, and the jack of clubs. Uh -huh. So if I were to take these three cards and just kind of go on three and just go one, two, three, 
that should be your eight of diamonds. That's your ace of spades, wow. and that is your jack come on. of clubs. Well done. Oh, come on. <laughs> what? Oh my goodness. Are you sure you don't want to do all oh, that's you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could if you really wanted me to, but <laughs> I don't think we got time for that. No. Oh, um, beautiful trick. The uh, the last one that I wanted to do for you, I actually have uh, right here. I'm going to leave this deck in plain sight. I, this is a completely different deck of cards. And the only reason why I'm using a different one is because this one I was able to place uh, just a small prediction in. Okay. Uh, but we'll get, we'll get back to that in a second. Uh, just know that one card is going to end up looking a little bit different from the others uh, just, just later on. Um, once again, you are going to have complete free reign as to uh, which card you, you would like to, uh, to pick. Sure. Do I, oh, do I pick one? Yeah, please. Um, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll make it a little bit more interesting. Let's let's do like a, a process of elimination. Sure. So you have red cards and you have black cards. Let's go black. Black? Okay, all the red cards are gone. Yeah. Um, so inside of the black cards, because those are the ones you wanted, right? Mm -hmm. So inside the black cards, you have clubs and spades. Spades mm -hmm. are going to look like this. Clubs are going to look like this. Which one would you prefer? We'll take a club. A club. Beautiful. So ace through king, you have all of those amazing choices. Which club would you like the most? Let's say the two of clubs. Two of clubs. All right. Hang on to that thought. I'm going to put these sure. cards right here. I am not going to touch them. I am not going to do anything. With this deck of cards right here, uh, you chose the two of clubs, yeah. yes? Okay. Yeah. I have the two of clubs right here. And what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to take this. I'm going to put it right back into the middle, right? Okay. Square up the cards. I'm going to give them a couple of shuffles, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when I shuffle these cards, it's very important to know that these two decks are going to be linked, right? I'm going to give these cards a couple more cuts just to make sure everybody's nice and mixed up. But what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to try something a little unconventional. I don't recommend you do this. I'm going to shuffle some of these cards face up and some of these cards face down, okay? Yeah. So when I shuffle these cards, you're going to see that some of these are going to be uh, face up. Some of these are going to be face down. I'll, I'll show you in a second. You square up the cards, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to see that uh, some of these guys are going to be just very discombobulated, very unorganized. Personally, with my OCD, it's it's driving me nuts. However, um, yeah, I know. Give them a couple of cuts. Uh, this way you can see some of these are going to be front to back. Others are going to be back to front. Others are going to be, say, front to front, back to back. It's just a jumbled up mess, right? Right. However, if you watch these cards closely and I kind of shift them up like that, you're going to notice that now every card is going to be uh, repositioned, right? Every card is going to end up fixing themselves except wow. for your two of clubs. But here's the thing, because remember, I told you these cards are linked together, right? These two decks are linked together. You truly could have chosen any card you wanted out of this deck, but you chose the two of clubs, right? Yeah. So if I were to go through this deck right here, you can see all of my cards are all going to be face up, right? All of these cards were face down. However, if we were to flip it over, all of these would be face up. This would be the only one that's face down. Right. So if I were to go through all of these guys, right? Yeah. And just go through, you can see how I'm going to have one card that is face down among all the others as well. You really could have picked anyone in the world. You ended up picking the two of clubs. Yeah. That's so weird. <laughs> I got no words for that That's one. so weird. 
I'm not even gonna. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you picked that one. That's for sure. I've done that 51 other times today. It's the first time that worked. So thank you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Cody Hildebrand. Check him out. You can see him on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and you can even catch him at some local Renaissance fairs if you're in the Connecticut region. Cody, thank you so much for being here, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, buddy. I appreciate it.